Hey, this is Jay Gordon, and you're back here listening to the River Ave Blues podcast. And join with me for the first time is uh, RAB writer Dom Lanza. How you doing, Dominic? I'm good, Jay. I, I don't know if I should say uh, first time, long time, considering I'm not really a caller, I'm an actual writer, but yeah, it's good to be on the podcast. Glad to chat with you. Ah, that's really awesome to have you on. You know, one of the cool things about having this podcast back, uh, I'm I'm trying to make sure that Joe and I are at least kind of a mainstay, but we always bring someone else on with us. If we can have a third, you know, it'd be really cool. But, you know, he and I are pretty busy dudes, so um, we we, we don't always have time to do podcasts, but we at least make sure one of us gets to it. But I appreciate you joining me this week. Yeah, I'm excited. So what have you uh, thought so far about uh, some of these spring training games? I did not get to see uh, today. It is Thursday we're recording this uh, with Miguel Anduar just going off. But so far it seems a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you don't want to get too excited or too down on a team because it's, you know, it's just spring training. I actually liked, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but the Phillies tweeted out a flow chart of uh, how to react to spring training games. And it all <laughs> just comes down to it's spring training. But, I mean, they're winning. They're hitting. They're pitching well. The kids look great. Um, and, I mean, aside from Clint Frazier's concussion, I mean, everything's in working order. And if you want to be, like, a super optimist, uh, Frazier's not really a guy that fits into the plans as the team is currently destruct- constructed. But um, Yeah, he's kind of uh, an extra man in that outfield. I, I think he will end up kind of being ahead of the, uh, the pecking order of, uh, of Ellsbury just because of who he is. But... If, if he doesn't get back into where he he, he should be within the next week or two, I, I would imagine it could be uh, a risk for him starting in AAA instead of at the majors. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but I do agree. I think that's uh, an interesting point about Frazier's place on the depth chart because I could see him starting the year in AAA, but I think if, you know, God forbid uh, Hicks or Judge or Stanton gets hurt, I think he's leapfrogging over Ellsbury and maybe even Gardner, depending on how he looks, into the starting lineup. I just don't think they want him playing on the bench. I think they want him playing every day. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you that he's got to be somebody that's getting plenty of time in the outfield because without that, it's really... You're not getting all the benefit of the player. Like, you know when you're going to want to have the uh, the two big guys in the outfield when it comes to Stan and Judge. You know when that, and that's going to be when there are places like Fenway Park. Then it's going to be all right to have both of them in your outfield. But, you know, when you're playing a, a lot of games at Yankee Stadium, you have to play center field and left field, like two right uh, center fields. And the the, the guys that they have are, are, are going to go through a lot. They're getting a lot of wear and tear on them through the year. So it's really good to have a number of athletic guys that can play those positions. Uh, other than Judge and Stanton, that you know, are if one of the guys get hurt, gets hurt, they're going to be able to have a spot filled in. Yeah, that's the key, and that's that's the that makes this the first season in a long time where I I really see the value in not having a concrete plan for DH just because. Well, I mean, I guess you could say it is a concrete plan for DH to have it be the rotating spot between Gardner. Judge and Stanton, and I guess maybe Hicks or Ellsbury, depending on what pitcher they're facing, how tired people are, how many games in a row they played, but there's definitely a lot of value in keeping those guys, the big guys and the old guys, off their feet as much as possible. 
I see Stanton playing very little on on turf fields. I really, really see that not happening a lot. I think that they want to protect that body as much as they can because he's had a number of issues of breaking down uh, and having injuries. Some of them have been his not at his own fault, but you know I think that they look at him as a guy that'll probably do more of the DHing than any of the other players. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being the guy who plays you know, somewhere between 60 and 100 games at DH with the other guys filling in maybe an equal thirds or something like that. Yeah, I think he plays at least 80 games at DH, at least. I think that he's going to play half the year as a DH at some role, uh, in some games. I just feel like there's no other way to kind of handle it. I think that you have to really think about the player's uh, long-term health and the amount of money that you've invested in him and maybe look at what you've got in your death chart and your outfield this year and recognize that as something that can help all of your, your very, very valuable players. So why not get the people who you don't want to tear up their legs too much in, in Tampa? Uh, let, let's keep them off that field, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely, especially because... Like you said, his injury history, even if it's not all the same injuries all the time, he's definitely a guy who's shown that he plays all out. And, you know, I, I don't want to say the guy's brittle, but he has he's kind of like a magnet for hit by pitches. And, you know, guys like to jam him inside, which could lead to that. So just any time you can keep him off the field in any capacity it's helpful and i think the same thing's true of judge i people seem to look over the fact that he was hurt for the last what like 50 games of last year and had mm-hmm. surgery i know it was a relatively minor procedure but keeping him off the field when possible is helpful too especially because he's also a giant human being yeah and he, he plays pretty physically where he bangs up against the wall here and there he doesn't seem to have much fear of uh taking a hit so i i would think that they're going to do a lot to also protect that shoulder this year so you know keeping him keeping him as, as a dh is going to make sense so i think that the he'll probably end up splitting some of that d the, the other if, if if judge maybe gets about 40 50 uh about maybe about 40 games as a dh it probably wouldn't shock me no me neither i i would honestly guess you'll see probably something like 60 to 80 games of Stanton there, maybe 40 games of Judge, and then depending on health and everything else, I could see them throwing Gardner there because Gardner doesn't miss a lot of time, but he's always banged up. Hex mm-hmm. has been hurt the last few years. Maybe they want to throw him there. If they're playing in a smaller park and they could throw Gardner in center field or when they want to give Ellsbury the odd start just because he has some modicum of value, and if they're paying him to sit on the bench, they may as well play him. Yeah, they have said that they're giving him uh, reps in left field, and that makes sense because there are definitely some left fields he can play, um, You know, especially Yankee Stadium. If they need a guy who at least can catch the ball out there, that's something that Jacoby Ellsbury still can do. Um, so I, I don't see that as a bad thing. I just see him as low as the depth charge can, chart can get for the outfield right now. Yeah, I think the most of his playing time will come as pinch runner, defensive replacement. Maybe you'll even see in some close games, you'll see an outfield of Gardner, Ellsbury, and Hicks in the bottom of the ninth or the top of the ninth just to try to lock down the defense. Yes, so while we're speculating on defense, um, 
One guy who, um, you know, we we talked about how his defense is still catching up to his bat, but Miguel Anduar is one of those guys that this year in spring training is, it's a week old, and he's already getting the entire town talking about um, what he's been doing. Today, like I said, is Thursday, and he hit two home runs in that game, and he's one of those guys that you can put a little bit of dream on, you know what I mean? Definitely. He's... He's hit at every level in the minors. He has, he's one of those guys that has that adjustment period that makes people nervous sometimes, but he always ends up hitting and he has what, four home runs now in spring training. And Mm -hmm. it's not against the best competition. Mike did a good job of showing that he's the pitch quality he's facing as a, basically a double a kid right now, but you want to see the guy hitting. It might not mean much, but at least it's not a negative. Yeah, fastball is a fastball, and if you, you know, the, the, if you can hit a fastball out, then at least it shows that you have that uh, ability to recognize a pitch, and that's maybe the first step in, in becoming a, a decent hitter, and, and that's what he does. He sees the ball, he hits it, and it's 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 very nice to see. Um, <laughs> it, it really is because you think about you know, you think about how an all or nothing kind of hitter that you had at third base with uh, Todd Frazier. And then, um, you know, Chase Headley really let you down for well, he was quite just a nothing. while. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you look at the prospect of a kid like Anduar, who who just has such a, a violent swing that you can really, really dream on and think that he could do some great stuff for you. And the fact is, is that he's got all the opportunity in the world in this spring training to make that happen. Definitely. He's... He's going to get the playing time because the Yankees are just, they don't have a lot of other options over there right now, which is kind of a good thing for him. What I'm really interested in, though, is his glove, because one of the things you see when you read the various scouting reports from Baseball America or Baseball Prospectus is they talk about his tools. They talk Mm -hmm. about him being rangy, and they talk about him having a good arm, but they kind of throw him in that category of, guys like well you hear people say Didi Gregorius is like that sometimes his he rushes yeah, plays Didi, or he makes boneheaded mistakes Didi was is it was definitely if if I remember him as a prospect he was definitely a guy people called toolsy you know yes. I, I remember that I mean and this is going back for some of y'all who are listening I, I know I used to listen to uh Kevin and Jason and they used to on uh, who did the uh, baseball prospectus uh podcast a few years ago uh what was it up and in and, um, yes. and uh, the one thing that they always would talk about are players that were toolsy, that, you know, they, they, they had all those tools to be, you know, a really good player. They just haven't really completely put it into a, a package that is you're not just a guy who has the pieces. You're, you're a complete player. Again, my, my hope is that Andujar can get there on defense. One guy who comes to mind and... This is going to sound like I'm making a reckless comparison. I'm not. It's just somebody that comes to mind who had similar profiles of prospect. When Nolan Arenado was coming up with the Rockies, Mm -hmm. I remember reading so much about him having this great arm and this range, but he was just a terrible defender in the minors, and they talked about moving him to first because it wasn't clicking, and now he might be the best defensive third baseman in baseball. So it's not uncommon, or maybe I shouldn't say uncommon, but... It's not impossible for a player to put it together, especially when they're that young. So if 
Andahar starts to translate those tools into performance and he hits like we've seen him hit, all of a sudden that's a hell of a player and I'm all in on them giving him those opportunities to do that in spring training and hopefully when the season starts. Mm -hmm. And this actually, you know, makes me think of, uh, and I don't want to get into questions just yet, but there was someone who asked a question specifically, uh, someone named Griffin uh, emailed us and said, when the Yankees acquired Brandon Drury, it seemed like he was the unofficial third baseman for the Yankees while Anduar was headed to Scranton to start the year. With Anduar's hot start, do you think they will move Drury to second and make room for Anduar on the opening day roster? I mean, I didn't, don't really think one was ever a guarantee. I think they just got Drury because they wanted some insurance on the infield, period. Yeah, I mean, Drury's kind of perfect for what they were looking for. He's a guy who's capable of hitting for power, which we know they love, and he has a ton of experience at second and third, which are their two positions of need. And I don't really know what to make of his defense because um, all of the reports you read say he's much, much better at third base than he is at second. He's kind of like a somebody who can play second base in name only but the numbers liked him at second base last year and that's where he played that's where mm -hmm. he spent most of his time i'm pretty sure um i'm pretty sure both uzr and uh, defensive run saved saw him as an asset at second last year that doesn't really match the reports so i don't know what, what to make of it but you know he's a guy who fits exactly what they need and fits the way they build their team and and I don't see him blocking someone else. I mean, no. I don't see. I, I, it doesn't seem like Boone's going to be the guy that's going to to just go to uh, a veteran for the sake of taking a veteran. I think that he's going to see whoever comes out. I mean, that's the way this this organization's kind of built right now. Whoever seems to be the right player gets the opportunity. It's not who's the veteran. I mean, we saw that last year that veterans got benched when they didn't perform. Um, and and the, it, it felt like that came from um, someone like Brian Cashman um, because toward the end of the year, it, it kind of almost felt like Girardi really wasn't calling a lot of those types of shots. And he made that known by what he kind of felt about Chris Carter, I think. So I think that this organization at this point isn't going to go with the vet first. They're going to go with the player they want. Yeah, it seems like the Yankees are really a meritocracy right now which is pretty awesome. I, I don't want them to rush to decisions and say, you know, Andahar's our starting third baseman because he was awesome in five spring training games. But mm -hmm. I, I have faith in them that they'll play who they think should play and give that person enough time to prove or disprove that they belong there. Yeah, so we'll get back to more questions later on, but I just felt it was kind of on topic. So uh, thanks again for, uh, for sending in the email to... Uh, uh, blues at gmail.com you can feel free to email us uh, during the week if you have any questions about stuff that's going on please do um, so moving on uh, the pitching so far has a, hasn't been anything um, of really any magnitude it's been mostly uh, the extra guys that have been pitching CC though has gotten a start and uh, did you get a chance to take a look at uh, his pitching I did not me neither. It stinks. I, I really am bummed out. I didn't get a chance to see CC. Um, I did get some chance to see, um, you know, Sessa looking uh, pretty good. And uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if um, he starts really getting a better chance at uh, 
a long man or even a spot starter fifth kind of guy. But I think that he uh, came in looking pretty good this year. Yeah, I know Mike's a big fan of uh, Luis Sessa, and I got to say, he's one of those guys who has that that starter kit to be a pitcher with of, of some importance or of some at least value. He has a slider. He has the fastball. He's a good athlete. And when they got him, when they acquired him way back when, alongside Chad Green, he was the guy that everybody thought would be the pitcher that gave the Yankees something. So mm-hmm. maybe there's still something there. I mean, Luis Sess is also still pretty young. He's trying to remember. I'm pretty sure he's 25 or 26, and he hasn't really played all that much. He's thrown around 100 career innings, so maybe there's something there, and seeing him throwing well and getting a chance in spring training is a good sign. Absolutely. It's, it's really always fun to see some guys go out there and, and air it out early to see who's going to kind of really shine uh, early on when it comes to spring. So uh, as well as the pitching, uh, there, there's also a few other stories about what's going to happen. And, and one of the things that I've, I've really heard is that people really haven't defined what the roles are in the bullpen quite yet. Um, I think that it's obvious that Aroldis Chapman is the closer. But other than that, I think that going into this spring training, everything is up in the air. Yeah, I, I think we, we know who's going to be in the bullpen by virtue of names to a degree. Uh, Betances is there, but I don't think he's... I think they're going to make him earn his way back into the late innings. Um, mm-hmm. Robertson is, is probably the setup man or the fireman. I don't know how Boone will manage, but I'm assuming it'll be something like Girardi did in the playoffs where... That you know, fireman role was so valuable. It was It was incredibly valuable. It was, and I really hope they continue to do that, especially with the depth of the bullpen because they still have Conley, they still have Green, because they've talked about stretching Green out, but he's a reliever. They're not going to start bouncing him around. Mm -hmm. They have a good thing. It's kind of like found money because he was a middling prospect, so they'll keep going with that, but once you get beyond Chapman, Robertson, Conley, Batansis, and Green, I'm not sure. I mean, it gets to Shreve. Shreve they probably take because they always want to take the lefty. And I think he's out of options, so if he goes down, he's on waivers, mm-hmm. and somebody's claiming him because he's a lefty. Warren could be a roster crunch issue. Um, that that's I, I had spoken about it prior, but I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't make the club uh, or if they trade him before the end of spring training, and I, I, I'd be bummed out if that happens, but it's very, very difficult to find a place for the young player and this guy right now who are both going to be able to fill that role and, and that's that kind of role that I think um, Luis Sessa and Chad Green could kind of pull off together. Yeah, and, and Warren is in this world where the Yankees are trying to save money. Um, Warren is kind of like low-key expensive for what he offers because I think his salary this year is just over $3 million, maybe even $3.5 million. And like you said, when you have guys like Sessa and Green and even guys in the minors like Ben Heller who could come up and do something, especially mm-hmm. when Warren's, what, the fifth man out of the bullpen. That exactly. three and a half million could help elsewhere. That's why I'm trying to, like I said, I've been trying to find a place for Warren right now, and I've been having a harder and harder time. I'll, I'll have to ask Mike about that sometime soon. 
So speaking of asking, I think it's, it's question time. Um, so I'm going to start taking a look at some of the questions we got here. Uh, those people who uh, called in, I'm not going to be able to play your voice this week, but what I will do is uh, read your questions thanks to the transcriber that Google provides us. So if they are a little weird, I apologize. Um, so let's, uh, let's get started. Um, Ed writes in by email and asks, when is the last time you remember the cheapest opening day ticket being $100? And then he finalizes his question with the words, holy and an F word. Um, <laughs> and I got to be honest with you. I, I mean, what it really always comes down to as a fan, and, and we'll speak as a fan because I pay for tickets. Like, Mike doesn't pay for tickets because he's a, a member of the, uh, the, the Baseball Writers Association. And he does this as a full-time gig. But as a fan, you know, I pay for my ticket. And um, it really always comes down to buy early if you want to pay less. And there's really no other way of getting around it. Um, the, the, the current way that Major League Baseball and the Yankees have set up their ticketing system, there's no other way of getting around it. Um, from what I know, season ticket holders all get their renewals at the same time. Um, and then once, you know, on sales happen, you know, there are cheap tickets to get. You just need to get to them. And, and, and it's very difficult uh, for some people. And, and that's the most I can really say. Um, the secondary market is going to be expensive. Yeah, there's a ton of excitement about this team. And I think that's I think that's kind of the answer to the question, right? When it's the last time tickets were this expensive is. When was the last time we were this excited about a team at the prospects of them being the best team in the league, potentially? I mean, was it 2010 after they won the World Series? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like it's that long ago they won the World Series, but you're talking almost a decade ago right now, and really, that's the key. The key is that everybody's excited about this team. Everybody wants to go. Ticket prices are going up in general, so it's going to be hard to get them cheap the best bet might honestly be right now just wait until the day before or the day of if you're close and hope somebody's panic selling tickets they couldn't get rid of until the last minute yeah that's really what it comes down to and that, like i said um you can normally scan secondary markets pretty close to the end of uh the sale time for for any real deals but to be honest with you um the most you're gonna hope for is that you're going to get a, a standing room only. Uh, so just uh, make a plan and, uh, and and only pay for what you can afford because you don't want to go into hock uh, because you want to go to a game. I, I don't advise that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we've got a question here. I'm not sure if you can answer this question. Why is it that uh, there are blackout rules like last night's game? Um I guess they want to know why some of the games that are on during the day aren't shown. To be honest with you, a lot of this has to do with rights owners of who owns the games at what time. Um, I know Fox owns uh, the Yankees broadcast because they own uh, a, the, the pretty much all of uh, Yes. And Fox determines how many games that... Um, are actually going to be broadcast during the uh, the spring training, and it's a fixed number, and they can't combine with any of the other programming that Yes has, like 
Nets basketball. Um, and it's also really not worth it for them to show all of the spring training games because it becomes overkill. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. It's the same bundle of rights that we have to deal with when we watch regular season games when you don't have cable but MLB TV blacks you out because the game's on Yes or ESPN or whatever. Um, spring training has the same thing. It's just on a much lower scale because not as many spring training games are, like you said, they're, they're just not broadcast as much. Yeah, the uh, the, the rights holders of the, uh, the specific... Uh, clubs don't necessarily want to blow out their entire beginning of the the season ratings by showing too many of uh, what would end up being not the highest quality of baseball, uh, especially early on where you're going to watch about six innings of you know really young kids who who probably are just going to get lit up uh, early on when it comes to the pitching. So um, you know the most I can say is. Hold on, you'll get to see some games <laughs> soon. It's not that much longer. Um, so the next question is uh, about Tyler Austin. What do you think his chances of making the roster are, uh, and especially having an impact on the team? I don't think Tyler Austin's making the team out of spring training unless there's an injury. I just don't know where he fits. I mean, Maybe I'm wrong and the team's super desperate to have a clear-cut first base option on the roster because of Bird's injury history um, and the fact that Brendan Drury is really the only other first base backup and he's going to be starting at second or third, but he's just not a super exciting player and I don't think the Yankees want to platoon Greg Bird so early and if you're not doing that, you're kind of stuck with a first base only dude just sitting on a bench that's going to be limited because bullpens are huge. I think they want Greg Bird to get as many at-bats at first base as humanly possible. I think that's the goal for Greg Bird as well in 2018, is to be the Yankees' first baseman and not a guy that you think about second. Uh, I I don't see a a situation where Tyler Austin gets any real bulk of any at-bats in this year unless an injury happens, and and it would have to be a pretty nasty injury to give Tyler Austin some significant at-bats. Yeah, and I don't don't even know that he's ahead of somebody like, uh, I can't remember this guy's name, and it's going to bother me now. Isn't it McBroom? Kyle Kyle McBroom? Yeah, I don't know that he's ahead of him. (laughs) Ryan McBroom? Uh, oh, Ryan McBroom. Hmm. There's a, I know there's a McBroom. It's not Kyle. Uh, anyway. Uh, Ryan McBroom. Ryan McBroom. Well, that's all the questions we have. Well, uh, that that's all we got for really... Uh, did you have any other uh, things you wanted to talk about, Dom? With, uh, I know you've been writing uh, lately, and I was curious if you have any other uh, interesting topics you might be bringing up to uh, RAB soon. Uh, I mean, the the next thing I have coming down the pipeline is just uh, because he seems to be the person I've written about the most for God knows whatever reason. Um, I wrote the preview piece on Jacoby Ellsbury, mm-hmm. and I actually found some uh, some interesting things in there that made me think his surprisingly, I won't say good, I'll say surprisingly okay 2017 might have kind of been the real, he- real Ellsbury as opposed to the disaster artist that he was in uh, 2015 and 2016. So 
I guess maybe if I come back on after that runs, you or Joe or both of you can make fun of me for it. <laughs> well, you know what's really funny is that it's an RAB thing to kind of bash on Jacoby Ellsbury. It's what we've been doing uh, ever since he really took an entire crap on this organization's uh, <laughs> outfield depth chart. I mean, there's no other way to feel it. It's just like you look at the salary, you look at the player, you look at the depth chart, and like I said, it's like he diarrhea sprayed all over the depth chart because no matter what he does, it's it's crap for your team right now because there's a player that you want on the roster ahead of him, but he's got 60-something million dollars left and so, so many years left with that 60-something million dollars that you, you have no other option than to throw him out there until he proves he can't play. It's almost kind of sad, too, that uh, in 2021, his deal's up because it's a team option, but he still has a $5 million buyout. And as we've seen from the Yankees dumping salary this offseason, that $5 million that they have to give him just to go away might mean something. Yeah, well, you know what that also means? Scott Boris is one hell of an agent. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> it's, it's so incredible. Anyway, uh, Dom, it was really cool having you on. Uh, how can people find you on the Twitter? Uh, I am at Dominic Lanza. It's D-O-M-E-N-I-C-L-A-N-Z-A. And I don't know if I tweet anything that's too interesting, but uh, I try to keep up with it. You should totally watch <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> Utah House of Representatives rap video they made that I tweeted out earlier because it's the best thing I saw online today. <laughs> All right. And uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at, at jdestro, J-A-Y-D-E-S-T-R-O. Um, thanks a lot, everyone, for uh, listening. We will be back next week with more rapid-fire Yankee uh, action from spring training. Uh, I'm going to beg Mike to come on very soon. Um, we'll see if I can get him on. I don't know. He's such a difficult man to get into one place. That's why he's he's Mike Exiza. He's he's a brilliant man. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to kiss his butt. He's he's a good dude, and um, I'll, I'll try to get him on next week. We'll see what we can do. Anyway, uh, say goodbye, Dom. Goodbye. This is Jay. We'll see you next time. Have a great night or day or whatever it is you're gonna have. Later.